You're listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast, inspiring commentary and intelligent insight from experts in the thick of it. Hi, everyone. This is Technopolitics. I'm your host, Mike Gualtieri. I am here with Jeffrey Hammond, principal analyst and a Forrester mobile expert. I am also here with Mike Facemeyer, senior analyst, also a Forrester mobile expert. And how you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. It's good to, good to be back with you guys again and, uh, and, and, and talk to, to Mike G. on the podcast. And Jeffrey, how are you? Just trying to survive the end of the year, man. It's All a right. real rush. Well, I can't wait to ask you guys this question, which is, has Apple run out of mobile innovations? Uh, we've heard uh, the Samsung phone is great by all accounts, and uh, iPhone has had some struggles this year. Uh, Jeffrey, what do you think? Um, no, I don't think that they've run out of innovation. Uh, but what I think you are seeing is the real um, conflict between two fundamentally different innovation models. Uh, there's directed innovation, and then there's evolutionary uh, innovation. And that's what I, th- see, uh, I think you see here. And, and a really good example of that is, uh, is, in the Android world, something like Swipe. Now I know that you're a lover of swipe. That you oh, think it, it, it's it's a great experience. Is, it changed my life. Typing. You know, Google didn't come up with swipe. You know, they've got their kind of standard keyboard type thing. But because it's a, it's a more open innovation model, because it's it can tolerate uh, innovations coming from lots of different directions. Um, something like swipe. Uh, can easily be incorporated onto the Samsung devices or onto Google's uh, devices or anybody else that that has an open enough uh, um, uh, phone. And so all of a sudden, you know, you hear people saying, wow, you know, the keyboard input uh, for Android devices is better than the keyboard input uh, for for iPhone. So essentially what happens in that directed innovation model... And and take a step back. You're saying that Apple has a directed innovation model. I'm saying Apple has a directed innovation model. Android ecosystem it has an open, open innovation model. Gotcha. So essentially what happens is Apple has got to be right all the time for innovation to prosper in their environment. And they're all right a lot of the time. They do some really, really great things. It's hard to argue that the iPad wasn't transformational. It's hard to argue that, that you know, Siri uh, is not uh, an incredibly interesting innovation, uh, that the things that they're doing around Apple TV aren't there. But they all come from Apple. They don't necessarily come from the larger community. So they can't afford to be wrong as often as Google can because there are all these other folks in the ecosystem system in the Android ecosystem that add to the collective amount of innovation going on in the platform. But we're starting to see some real cracks, aren't we, Mike Facemeyer? Um, well, it's, it's interesting. As always, Jeffrey nails it. Um, a couple of things. Let's look at look at mobile innovation and the mobile innovation cycle. So, so you know, we actually had mobile smartphones before the uh, the iPhone came out. It's just that no, nobody knows about them because the iPhone itself was so innovative. You know, we had we had Windows CE phones. Uh, that unfortunately I was a developer on, uh, you know, as a, as a, in my youth, uh, and so, um, unfortunately, so, yeah, well, that's hey, how you got your start in mobile, <laughs> you know, got you here. Yeah, that was, uh, I, you know, talk about learning lessons the hard way. Try to develop on single-threaded mobile platforms with no processing power, but um, uh, we'll leave that story for for another podcast. But if you look at the at the, at the mobile innovation cycle, uh, Apple really kicked it off with with the iPhone and really consumerized what could be possible with the smartphone, and that was the first the first level of innovation. Now, 
a lot of folks are, are starting to complain that the, the latest revs, the the 4S, the 5, uh, you know, these are just rehashes, uh, you know, turning the crank uh, on the on the, the the money wheel, if you will. So I really believe the next level of innovation is going to come from areas like Jeffrey mentioned, which is the apps themselves and apps interacting with each other, apps interacting with the user that uses them through great analytics platforms. I really think that this is the next innovation cycle. So um, that tends to favor the Android type platform model or the or the, the, the Microsoft platform model that says, you know, folks can folks can, can develop apps, use APIs and uh uh, and, and, and do what they need to do outside of the closed Apple, Apple I, I'm model. I'm curious if you think whether, you know, when we talk about those, those kind of more advanced applications, um, do you think that the, the multitasking model that Android surfaces may become an advantage there in the long term? So, for example, say you want to do some background processing. Uh, you want to uh, analyze some data that you've gotten and uh, maybe send it up to the cloud and do some advanced predictive analytics on it and then send something back down. Mm-hmm. It seems like you might have a whole lot more capability to make that sort of uh, background process work in the Android environment, and it might be a little bit harder uh, in, the, uh, in the iOS environment. Yeah, you're 100% right. The, the, you know, the Android uh, having, you know, they've got a, a system of, of, of services is what they call it, uh, you know, background services that can run, uh, that can run whenever you need, uh, can run contextually. Uh, none of these activities need to have a, a user front end. Um, Apple does not have that model. Apple has a very, very short list of selected things that could run in the background. And all of those uh, have to do with media, things like um, music that wants to run in the background or, or things that, that, that Apple has specifically said, these are approved background things. Now, this, is had, this has enabled their platform to be very smooth, very consistent, not suffer the things great that Android... Great user experience. Exactly. Yeah, they've had a great user experience well, because they don't allow the operating system uh, to overtake uh, processing power and make things jerky. And let's go to the user experience because that's one of the arguments for the iPhone that has a superior user interface. Jeffrey, you started by talking about directed innovation versus open innovation. And we love Swipe, yeah. but it's hard to find. When you search on the store, you <laughs> it's don't... There. You, you know, it's, it's not there. It, You've it, got to go install it from it, their website. That's right. It's a yeah. little difficult to find, so, so it can yeah. make things a little more confusing. So the arguments that I hear... Uh, about iPhone is that it's easier to use than Android. Right. So the first question is that is that true? Right. Um, I would for the masses. I when folks ask me should I get an Android or should I get an iPhone, uh, my answer is always iPhone unless I look at you and see that you've got a little geek cred about you. So uh, you know, my wife has an iPhone. My most of my family has an iPhone. So Mike Facemar, you agree? You so you're saying you agree with people who say that the iPhone's easier than Android? I do. But let me let me push you on that a little bit because a uh, couple of apps that I use, I use TripIt. Yep. I use I admit it words with friends. Yep. Um, as far as I know, you just click on the icon. How, how is how is it easier? to touch an icon and then use an app on the iPhone than it is on Android? Well, it's the, uh, it's the, the delivery model. You know, the Apple App Store is very, very controlled. It's a very uh, consistent user experience. All of the apps that you get are very consistent. Now, if you work with, if you work with apps like Words with Friends that comes from uh, Zynga, uh, you know, they, they've, they've got big pockets. And so they can spend the money to ensure they have a consistent experience across all platforms and handle the nuances of the, of, of the Android platform and all the fragmentation they're in. Um, on the other hand, if you go to a very, very small, you know, one-person shop, 
uh, developing an app on Android that isn't consistent with, uh, you know, doesn't have consistent gestures or doesn't work like all of your other apps do, a lot of folks are going to get confused with that very easily. This is an app that, that, that Apple probably wouldn't even let in the store. But I wonder, here, I wonder if one yeah, of the Jeffrey, things that you're you. pushing on here is that is the gap between that, that UX experience uh, between Android and iOS shrinking over time. Do you think it is? Um, I think it is to some extent when you look at particular vendors. In some ways you could say, you know, it's really, you know, is it, you know, iOS or Samsung, you know, given how many Android-based Samsung devices are out there in the Galaxy 3 and the Galaxy Note 2 and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I think that there is the possibility for that directed innovation model to reappear in the Android ecosystem around specific vendors and create that same sort of draw where if a developer is going to build an Android app, they essentially test it and they deploy it to work on a Galaxy 3. So has it, and hasn't Google actually acknowledged that you know, open innovation has its limitations with its nexus absolutely. idea. Mike Facemar? No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think, I think uh, Google wants to have an open platform. They, they've been extremely successful having an open platform, but it's got to have its limits. It's got to have bounds, and they're trying to provide those bounds with, with the nexus branding. Yeah. I mean, Mike, one of your favorite statements is, is Henry Ford's statement. You know, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have told me, you know, a better horse. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of the limitation of the open innovation model is you don't necessarily get that. Well, I know what people think they want, but I know what they need. And I'm going to drive that vision through. And I think it's hard to argue that that when it comes to that sort of innovation, Apple is right up there with the best in terms of redefining the market. But one of the questions I guess we would have now is are we still at that point where we're redefining the market with respect to phones and tablets, or have we defined the market well enough that that open innovation model of kind of rapid, small advances and, and kind of you know improvements here and there um, take over at some point, where you know once the concept of the car had been defined, you know manufacturing efficiency with GM, uh, acquisition of brands and brand strategy, you know superior operational excellence, kind of displaced Ford in terms of market share uh, once the, the idea of the auto had, had really taken off. And, you know, we may be seeing that same sort of history play out again in this particular market, which doesn't mean that Apple won't go and, and create some more of those groundbreaking innovations. It just may not necessarily be around the phone, the 4-inch form factor or the 10-inch form factor. It may be something completely different, the wall or the TV or the car. I mean, imagine... Or Google you know, Glass. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it won't be the TV. <laughs> I'll just I'll just go out on the limb and say it won't be the TV. You know, is, that a two, is that a 2013 prediction? Yeah, that's a market. That's, I, a, that's a challenge. It I just can't tell, be won. I got to tell you a TV story. I ask people, I say, oh, do you watch TV? You know, and they're like, no, I don't watch TV. But they they know all the shows. <laughs> and then you realize they watch it on their PC. I'm like, well, that's or watching TV. Tablet or, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, let's finish this up by asking a little bit of a prediction. We know actually, actually, before you do that, I yeah. w- one one last thing about Apple and innovation. Yeah. If you listen to their announce for the uh, the the their most recent announce with iOS six and, and and the new iPod touches and and uh, and, and their and their latest, latest turn of the crank, I think they mentioned that they that they that this has been the best year for innovation four times uh, during that two hour pitch. Uh, and, and I always get wary when I'm told 
by somebody that they are innovating. Well, it's an old market saying that you always market your weakness. <laughs> so I agree, and so that's that. Yeah. That's one tip off to me that uh, that I agree with Jeffrey. You know, they are they've been the kings of innovation. They've really pushed the edge. I'm a big fan of what they put out. Uh, we've got you know my my kids learn more from their iPad than they do anything else, but uh, uh, especially than their dad. But um, uh, that I just think that the hardware, the mobile hardware market, the innovation is really drying up, and that future innovation in mobile is really going to come from from app interaction, uh, app analytics, and things like that. Jeffrey Hammond, let me ask you uh, a momentum question uh, to close this out. Uh, we know that Android has now Android devices now make up more than fifty percent of the share of smartphones, and Apple is in the thirty percent range. Uh, is that gap going to continue? Is Android just going to keep going? Or are we going to see this stabilize? I would actually not be surprised to see a significant gain by Apple this quarter uh, based on the sales of uh, of iOS devices. So I think what you're going to start to see is some stabilization in that market with um, a few point swings in either direction, depending on what the product cycles look like uh, in each of these uh, uh, ecosystems. Uh, So, you know, it's hard to predict anything in the mobile market in the long term because the reality is is every vendor gets a new chance every two years because that's about how often people right. upgrade their devices. So uh, the best I can tell you is uh, I would expect to see a few SharePoint gains on iOS uh, this year. And uh, you know, next year is going to be another battle royale as, as all the vendors in the market uh, struggle for share. I think you're going to see uh, uh, aggressive uh, um, moves to get units in market by uh, Microsoft, and that's going to continue. And then you've got BB10 launching, and, and basically they're in a position where they've got to bet the company Blackberry on 10. success of those devices. Yep. So. Mike Facemeyer, what do you think about this? I think, uh, yeah, I've I, I said before that Jeffrey nails it. Uh, he, he, definitely, he definitely did not on this one. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the gap will get wider. Um, you know, this is, this is a worldwide market we're talking about. And so, you know, if we focus on North America, Europe, and Australia, uh, absolutely, iPhone rules the roost. Uh, but it's a big world out there, uh, and and a lot of these markets are growing. A lot of these markets really need uh, the devices that are that are that are cost friendly, uh, and so to to that extent, uh, Android will show up in more of these hands uh, than 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 iOS devices will. Sounds like you're playing the China card on me, there. <laughs> Mike. I'm China, Africa, brick, all all of the above, absolutely. Mike Facemeyer, thank you. Jeffrey Hammond, thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast. Read more about the technology fuel disruption and join the discussion at blogs.forrester.com.